you know, the ones who are consistent are the ones who are going to be more likely to achieve their goals. And it does become challenging at times for sure. And people do miss workouts and I miss workouts and, and that happens. But, you know, having that consistency, having that built in is where the development comes from. And day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, that growth is what we see. Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspects of running and what helps people to achieve success, however they define it, and this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy Imagine a world where running injuries don't exist and every runner stays healthy. That's the world I want to live in, and that's exactly the world that Recover Athletics wants to make happen. Recover is the first prehab app for runners. It instantly generates custom prehab programs made up of strength, plyometric, and mobility exercises to help loosen tight muscles, get stronger, and run your best. Their team designed it with top physicians and marathoners like MEP. It's guaranteed to make you a stronger and more injury-proof runner. If you want to fix your aches and pains, get stronger and set PRs, go to the App Store right now and download the Recover Athletics app today. Thank you to Tracksmith for their support of For the Long Run podcast. I've been a fan of Tracksmith and their community-first efforts ever since my early days of running in Boston. As my miles increase again ahead of some big goals this coming spring, I'm definitely doing it in comfort and style with their gear. I'm also proud to partner with Tracksmith because they're going to donate 5% of your order value to the Michael J. Fox Foundation for all orders, and you'll also get free shipping. The Michael J. Fox Foundation is dedicated to finding a cure and helping those living with Parkinson's. Both of my grandfathers have or had Parkinson's, and I'm grateful of Tracksmith's support for something so personal. Visit tracksmith.com slash for the long run to see some of my favorite pieces, and all orders that start from that page will contribute towards this donation. Welcome back. I have Henry Howard joining me on the podcast today. Henry, thanks so much for taking some time to chat. My pleasure, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Of course. So we met a few years ago now uh, in person, finally, at the Boston Marathon. I feel like that was 2018 or 2019. Uh, But for those who don't know, who is Henry? (laughs) So Henry is a father, a husband, a runner who came to running uh, later in life than most, and also a professional editor and writer who has combined those two passions to kind of define who he is now. Most people know me as as a runner or a writer or both, and and also a running coach. And I'm probably the first guest you've had who's actually asked you that very same question when I interviewed you for my website a few years ago. I remember that. I don't remember how I answered, but I'm sure it's changed since then. (laughs) Well, it's good to be changing. We should always be growing, right? I totally agree. So it's been fun to, it's been fun to watch your, your journey as a runner. I feel like I've known you for, I don't know, five years and you've evolved a little bit in that process, um, or grown as you would have just said. Um, so I'm curious, when did you, when did you get into running? I had on my bucket list literally to run a marathon. And after my kids were 
um, old enough to where they needed real coaching. I mean, I, I helped them learn sports and when they got good enough where they needed, you know, real coaching from real coaches, then I found I had more time on my hands and I was in my early forties and thought, you know, if I'm ever going to cross that run a marathon off my bucket list, I should probably start running. And so that's, that was uh, 11 years ago. And, um, I did that marathon. And when I crossed that finish line, you know, it was, it was quite the achievement to, to have that feeling. But I also knew that, you know, I could probably do it faster. I could probably get better at it. And so I decided to keep going and, have um, since then done 30-something marathons and ultras and, you know, just uh, love the community and, and want to, you know, keep it as part of my life. Very cool. So you spoke a little bit about it, but what was your first thought crossing that finish line? It was um, it was something that was roughly 18 months in the making. Uh, my, my first run when I had decided to really pursue this goal did not go real, real well. It was, um, I live at the end of a cul-de-sac and if I run all the way down my street and turn around in the the circle and then come back, it's about 1.3 miles or so. So that first run, I, I went out, I stopped three times. I puked in a driveway when I got back and thought I was going to die. And I decided that I, even though I had been kind of you know, active with my kids. I wasn't apparently in running shape as I quickly found out. So I decided to, um, just work on my cardio. And so I did that for about six or eight weeks, got stronger. And the next time I went out for that run, I made it, you know, that 1.25 or three or whatever miles and, you know, felt good, didn't stop, didn't puke. And so I was like, okay, I'm, I, I can do this. I'm, I'm on my way. And so, you know, the whole goal was at that point was to to do that marathon. And about six months after that first successful run, I did my first half. And roughly a year later, I I did finish that marathon. And it was a uh, you know it was a great feeling of achievement and being able to come so far and and finish that. And I didn't stop in that race. I didn't quite get my goal time, but I was close. But it it kind of opened my eyes to you know what was possible and and knowing that we can push our bodies to, to do even more. Totally. So you puked at the end of your first 1.3 mile run. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had Dean Carnazes on the podcast and he said, uh, there's magic and misery. Life is easy. So why do something difficult? Well, because life is easy uh, and that we runners seek it out and we're never more alive than when we're struggling and suffering. And so I'm curious, you had to have a reason why the marathon was on your bucket list, particularly in your forties, because many of the, many of the guests on this podcast, like I found running in my twenties and that feels late. (laughs) Like many of the people I run with have been running for longer than I've currently been alive. Um, so I'm curious, I'm curious where, where it came from, where that, where that motivation came from. You know, I think it's being able to challenge ourselves physically and, and challenge ourselves as we as we grow older to be able to you know to chase adventure and that adventure could be running it could be mountain climbing it could it could be 
cycling, cycling across um, the state of Iowa in that race or cycling for 100 miles or whatever it is. But I think that there is something about the outdoors that that calls us. And maybe it's, you know, through our evolution and, and being, you know, having that connection with nature and it's, it's giving us that, that zest for life. I mean, that's, that's something that kind of appealed to me about just being outside and, and being in nature and running, you know, um, there's not as many options for that physical challenge as we get older. Um, I mean, there's still, you know, softball leagues and that kind of thing and, and basketball at the Y, which are all great. And, you know, certainly, um, things that are great to get, you know, people my age out and active and that kind of thing, you know, but for me, I wanted to chase something and, and see, see what I am physically capable of, you know, as a master's athlete. So you made a move from marathons to ultras. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that evolution. <laughs> Talk about making things challenging. Marathons are hard enough. Now you're doing 50 Ks and beyond. Yeah. And that was, you know, something that one of my first races was, I think it was a quarter marathon or 10 K somewhere in there. And it was on a trail. And I, at that point, I don't think I had run on trails, but when I got out there, it was, you know, I kind of, the sport I loved, I loved it even more being out on the trail and, you know, running through the woods and that kind of thing. And, you know, as I learned more about the sport and learned about these things called ultras that just became, you know, the thing where, Hey, this is, this is only, you know, five miles longer than a marathon. That's, that's one more aid station. I I can do that. Right. And, you know, as I learned about it and learned obviously that no two ultras are alike, some are, you know, gnarly terrain, some are in the mountains, some, um, have huge climbs and, but they're all, they all have that awesome ultra running community. And that's one thing I found quickly in that first race where at an aid station, a volunteer was, you know, just like so many volunteers that we've met at aid stations, just so happy and willing to do anything and, you know, fill my bottles and whatever else. And it was just really eye opening of how amazing the community is and, that that's why I've been so enamored with ultras and have wanted to, to do them. And, you know, that 50 K was similar to my first marathon, my first ultra. So it wasn't, didn't go a hundred percent to uh, plan, but, you know, I, I finished with a smile on my face and, and wanted to do, you know, even more trail and ultra races. And what's on the, what's on the roadmap for 2022 or the trail map? <laughs> Well, shortly after this drops will be um, my first race of the year, uh, which is a 30K in Tennessee. And that I picked that one out because it um, gives me some uh, a little bit of climbing, which will prepare me for the, the big goal race of the first half, which is Zion 100K. I'm looking forward to that in, uh, uh, out here the National Park in Utah. That race I had to defer twice because of COVID. So hopefully this year um, things will clear up enough where it'll work out. And that is my Western States qualifier for this year. So looking forward to that. And then after that, I'm kind of open. I'll see how that plays out and then and then figure out the, the second half of the year. So you mentioned Western States. Uh, talk to me more about that as a goal. 
Yeah, that, uh, like you said, we met at the Boston Marathon and that was really my first big goal for, um, you know, as a runner wanting to qualify and, and run Boston, which I did in, in 2019. And as I was, you know, approaching that goal and had made it and made the, the cutoff to get into that race, I, you know, w- was getting more into ultras at that point as well, too. In fact, I did my first 100K about three weeks after Boston. And as, as I wanted to, you know, kind of shift more toward ultras and trails, you know, it was something where every year Western States was, I watched it from afar and was just amazed by the race. And, and my first 50 miler actually it was um, American River 50, uh, which is part partially on that, on the Western States course. And I was just fell in love with that that trail and and that um that area out there and that's kind of where you know another one of my whys just became you know why am i doing this i i wanted i want to do western states one time like like so many of us do is as someone who was at the uh you know had the opportunity to to pick some of those fortunate ones for this year i'm sure that it had a lot of meaning for you to be you know, the one, one of the ones, uh, drawing names or tickets out of the barrel this year, but it's just become something where that is definitely, you know, a, a new entry on my bucket list to be able to, to do Western States and, and enjoy that as, uh, as, as so many others have. Yeah. Drawing names this year was so fun. Um, I was the first person to draw a name of somebody that was in the room and I met him afterwards. He's a guy from Florida and he had never run the race before. And I was like, why are you doing this? He's like, see if I can. <laughs> and I'm like, and, and I want to do it for the same reason, right? I, I stood on the start line in, I guess it was 2018 now. And I said to Sally McRae, when she asked, are you going to do this one day? And I said, yes. She said, why? I said, to see if I can. <laughs> um, I don't think that everyone who starts that race can finish it. I think that there are a lot of, um, mental challenges that you need to get through in order to like persist through, you know, after 50 miles, like I don't like running at night. I don't think I have the, the skill to finish before midnight or 3am. Uh, so that's even like a, a mental barrier that I would need to get over. And like, there's so much growth that comes from doing things that you don't know if you can do them. And I'm thinking about later this week, I'm going to see a buddy. His name is Tony. He lives in San Francisco. And a couple of years ago, we ran rim to rim to rim together. He organized or we organized a group of about 15 people to do it. And we did it in October. And in January, I was like, yeah, I'll do rim to rim. And a few weeks later, everyone was putting what they were doing into a spreadsheet for logistical purposes so we could like start getting all that squared away. And I put rim to rim to rim as my goal because at that time I knew I could do it one way and I knew I could run rim to rim. And I don't think on that day I had the ability to run rim to rim to rim. And that's exactly why I chose to do it because it's that growth that happens from when you're forced to grow or when you're forced to like, try something new or adapt like the the things along the way make make the journey worth it and 
You know, one thing I, I tell my athletes or challenge my athletes is, you know, to dream big. And, you know, as, as athletes, it's meaningful. I think it's even more meaningful when we do accomplish that big thing that we pushed ourselves toward, you know, running rim to rim to rim, I, I would think meant a lot more to you than if it was just rim to rim. And so, you know, kind of like Western states running that very, I mean, it's, it's called a fast hundred, but there, there's no hundred is easy. There's a lot of challenges going through the night, going up and down the canyons. It could be a snow year. It could be a hot year. Um, but having that as a goal to, you know, run around the track and finish before that golden hour expires is a huge epic achievement uh, for anyone. And, that you know, that's kind of the why, you know, we want to challenge ourselves. We want to try big things. We want to see if we can do it. And nothing wrong with shorter races or easier races, but, you know, it's that feeling of accomplishment that I think really drives us and gets us out of bed at 4am to go do those midweek runs so that, you know, when our name is picked out of that barrel, then we've, you know, our why's established and, you know, we can get to race day ready. Completely agree. Um, I ask a lot of professional athletes about the things that they do in order to ensure that their dreams are realized um, and I think it's also interesting to ask amateur athletes who, you know, have a full-time job and a family and run and like running is not the, the main focus. I think we can learn things from professional athletes and I think we can learn things from amateur athletes. So my question to you is how are you going to guarantee that you get into a position where you can, you know, be at Palisades Tahoe at 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning in June making your way down to down to Auburn. Well, you're going to have to pick my name next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's um, easy enough. <laughs> all right. Done. Um, so, you know, I think one of the big changes for me as, as a runner was actually switching my routine from running my weekday runs uh, I used to do it later in the day, early evening, e even after dinner, to going all into a morning runner. And so once I built that habit, it allowed me to where I don't even think about it in the morning. The alarm goes off or even today I woke up before my alarm and, you know, it got up, got changed because I had to close my running outfit ready. All the layers, because it was really cold this morning, all the layers were ready to go and got them on. Uh, did my warm up, jumped on the bike for a little bit to get the legs moving and was outside, you know, in no time. And there's no thinking about it. It's just doing. And it's, it's the consistency in putting in those miles that you know, help me physically get there. And then, you know, the, the mental part of that is, again, it's just knowing what the plan is and just turning off my brain and just, you know, following through it in that pattern and just having that drive that, that I have that why established of why I'm doing this. Cause I do, I do want to line up and, 
um, you know, make it all the way to Placer High School. I think the consistency piece, I mean, I talk about it all the time on this podcast, but it's nice that you call that out explicitly. Um, it makes such a difference, right? Like I was listening to the swap podcast today on my run as I was running 10 minute miles through the snow and my normal, you know, 65 minute loop took me 85 minutes and it was like, there was nobody else out. Actually, I saw three, I saw three runners in Boulder, which is bizarre. And I was like, okay, this is like, this is what consistency means. It's like not backing down because it's a little challenging. Um, and I was listening to David and Megan talk about um, shooting your shots, not just shooting your shot and just like taking a lot of shots and like continuing to get out there, continuing to put yourself out there. And again, it's like, you don't have to be excellent. You just have to be good consistently. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, that's, that's something where I, I've seen it in my athletes too. The ones who go out and are consistent are the ones who develop faster. And I get it. You know, we all have other commitments. We're not professional athletes. We have jobs, kids, other responsibilities, uh, taking care of parents for, you know, some of us as well too. It's a lot, but you know, the ones who are consistent are the ones who are going to be more likely to, you know, achieve their goals. And it does become challenging at times for sure. And people do miss workouts and I miss workouts and, and that happens. But you know, having that consistency, having that built in is, is really where the development comes from. And day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, that growth is what we see and, and where we see is, you know, being part of Team Swap and seeing all those amazing athletes um, achieve awesome goals. And it's really cool to see, you know, there is that cause and effect with the consistency. Recover Athletics is a supporter of not only this podcast, but also my own running. It was built in Boston by two lifelong training partners who got tired of aches and pains getting in the way of their training. In 90 seconds, their app will customize a program for your body and your training. I plugged in some of my more common aches and pains, and I got a custom-built program designed to strengthen the muscles and tendons that will help avoid these issues going forward. Your first custom pre-app program is free, and they have an unlimited free trial. You can get it on the App Store right now by searching Recover Athletics or click the link in the show notes. If you like it and want to upgrade, their premium subscription costs less than one trip to a PT. Give Recover a try today. Your legs will thank you. Thank you again to Tracksmith for their support of the podcast. Tracksmith is a Boston-based running apparel brand born from a desire to celebrate both the history and the evolving culture of running. I have been loving their Van Cortland long sleeve, which pairs well with the Alston half tights on a brisk fall day. So visualization is something I believe strongly in, and it's quite evidence-based as well. So I'm curious, do you, when you're out there, you know, I see you posting four or 5 a.m. runs on Strava. When you're out there at that time, are you thinking about Western States, are you thinking about these um, golden ticket races and not golden ticket races, um, qualifying races? Are you thinking about that? Yeah, there are times that I do. Um, 
you know, if it's, if it's something where it's one of those runs where it's, you know, I'm on the struggle bus and that kind of thing, then I do, you know, I do envision, um, the track at Placer High School. I think visioning is, is important, especially to be able to see, see yourself succeed and then be able to carry that, that through. But one thing I've learned from coach David is, you know, not to be too committed to numbers, goals, or comparison. And I think that, that that's a really fine line and it took me a while to understand it, but, and while he endorses shoot your shot and I get it and I follow that, I think it's also important what he emphasizes and what I've learned from him is that, you know, don't put a number on it. Don't think about that number you know, go out and do your best on that day. And whatever your best is, is good enough. And, you know, having that, that pressure taken off from, uh, uh, you know, a goal time or a goal place or being on the podium or whatever, but just going out and doing your best, I think is definitely something that that's helped me, um, when it is time to, you know, to, to shoot my shot. Um, and it's, it's challenging because, you know, as runners, we're always thinking about, well, I need such and such to qualify for Boston or I want to get under a three-hour marathon or under a four-hour marathon or under a five-hour marathon or whatever it is, or I want to be top 10 in my age group or I want to win my, you know, it's all these numbers. And if we throw those away and just say, I'm going to do, I'm going to run my best today and whatever that is, I'm going to shoot my shot. I'm going to try as hard as I can. Um, and just know that that's the goal to do the best you can and not worry about what anyone else is doing. Totally. It's, um, it was interesting. My marathon PR is from a period of training when I was least focused on marathon training. And David mentioned one day, he's like, Hey, you're pretty fit. You want to run a marathon, uh, here soon. I was like, yeah, sure. Um, and I ran one six weeks later and PR'd by 20 minutes and it was like the perfect day and the perfect celebration versus a test. I think every marathon I ran prior was all about the number. I was so focused on breaking three that in one of those attempts, I didn't even break four and the reframing of like, of this is a, a celebration versus a test through David's help and, you know, not achieving success the other way. Um, I don't know. It's like, it's so fascinating that when you, when you don't strive for tangible metric driven goals and instead focus on the process, you generally hit those objective metric based goals, but it's just like a benchmark and it's just a data point along the way versus a measure of success or failure. You know, and it gets into the whole uh, believe. You know, we've I've uh, recently come to the Ted Lasso bandwagon as well, too. And, you know, that is certainly along similar lines where it's the the mindset that you have to have to succeed, you know, whether you're on the pitch or whether you're on a trail or whether you're on the road, being able to just have that buy-in and maybe it beginning it doesn't make sense you know the what the coach is saying as far as the strategy goes but you know if you if you can buy in whether it's 
you know, passing, you know, having a star goal score pass the ball, or whether it's letting your mind focus on something other than that number that you're craving, you know, there's a lot of performance uh, improvement that can come out of that. The, you know, the, the mind is, we run with our feet, but, you know, we succeed with our mind. I love that. Uh, what, what does success mean to you? <laughs> you know, I, I think when it comes to running success is, it, you know, helping others succeed in, in whatever their success is. Um, you know, I, I've been fortunate to, you know, have the resources where I can, um, resources in time where I can, you know, help others, coach others and be able to see them reach their goals. Um, you know, first time marathoners, uh, first time ultra runners, Boston qualifiers. It's really cool to be able to see, you know, people succeed in their, in their goals. And it's definitely, and that's kind of why I started my website as well too, because I was at a point where I kind of wanted to give back and, and share, you know, the love and the joy of running, um, you know, and, you know, what is success? It's, it's probably leaving the sport. Um, I don't, I don't really want to say better than I found it. Cause I, I don't think I, my impact is, is that big, but I think there's a cumulative impact by, you know, people like yourself and others who are contributing to the conversation and, and getting people inspired about, the sport. So being able to, you know, play a minor role in that, you know, if, if the current generation of, you know, runners like you and me can leave the sport and help grow it, um, you know, when it comes time for us to, uh, hang up our, our shoes, you know, that, that would be success. Totally agree. Um, talk to me more about your work as a coach. Um, before we started recording, you mentioned you had something you wanted to share about, your own coaching. So maybe we can, we can start there and, and, and why. Yeah, I, I appreciate you asking that. And, you know, coaching is one of those things that I was inspired by my first coach, uh, to get into coaching. And, you know, I asked her, I said, you know, is this something you think I could do? And she said, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, she gave me some good guidance on how to become a coach and go through the RRCA classes and, and that kind of thing. And um, so it's it's something that I, I never see doing it full time, but I, I see having, you know, a, a stable of my own athletes who I can help. And I've, I've enjoyed doing it, enjoyed seeing them grow as athletes. And so, you know, one thing that I've been thinking about the past couple months, and this actually was inspired in part by when I interviewed Max King for my website. And among the things that he does is he gives back by having his training camps for, um, uh, there's one for, I think there's one for kids and one for adults, but he definitely has one for kids to get them interested in trail running and getting outside and he also makes a proactive effort to open that up to um, inner city kids, ones who may not be able to afford it by, you know, giving scholarships and helping them, you know, find the outdoors. And you know, a lot of times on podcasts and, 
uh, different running media, you know, the question is asked about how do we get more minorities, more underrepresented communities in the sport, um, you know, more people like Corey Waltering, uh, a black gay man. How do we get more um, other people who are not the typical straight white males who are in the sport? And, um, you know, so I've been thinking about, you know, how would I be able to, you know, contribute to this part of, of running as well too. And, um, so what I've, I've recently done, uh, written on my website is a post about it's loosely tied to black history month, uh, in February, but it's basically where I am giving my own version of scholarships. Uh, I'm looking for, um, a handful of new clients who are in these underrepresented categories who, have never run an ultra before um, or a marathon and would like to have coaching as part of that. And I am opening that up to, um, you know, people who runners who fall into these categories and who would like to run their first ultra, run their first marathon. And so I'm willing to um, drop 50% off my normal fee and, and help them uh, get to their, their first finish line at a, at a marathon or an ultra. So if interested, um, you can contact me through my website. It's uh, runspirited.com. And I'm looking forward to uh, uh, helping bring more people into the sport and, and uh, achieve their goals. I love that. I think so much of it starts with representation of the people on the start lines. And we need to make more efforts to get those people to the start lines. Um, I've had conversations with Corey, with... Um, you know, a handful of other athletes about, you know, saying I'm the only person that looks like me on the start line. And it's not a fair statement from Corey because he's often wearing a thong, but (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) the, the, the point, the point stands, um, that, that we do need to, um, you know, you, I have a responsibility as a podcast host to, um, to, to have different voices and different, people who look different, people who speak different, you know, all these things. Um, I think it's, I think it's all part of a a collective effort. Um, so thank you for doing, uh, a small part of it yourself. Um, switching gears a little bit. Well, you mentioned your website as part of that. Talk to me about run spirited and you've sort of, uh, created a little, uh, uh, routine at the end of each year. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. So I began Run Spirited, gosh, I think it's maybe been five years now. And this was just, you know, kind of a passion side project of mine. Um, you know, as a, I've been a journalist for uh, my whole career post-college. So I, uh, you know, a professional writer and editor by trade. And um, then as running became a part of my life, I figured, well, why not combine these two into something? And, you know, and that was also part of my early progression into wanting to give back to the community where I, you know, wanted to share stories about inspiring runners. And I've had uh, a lot of great success. A lot of the people that you've had on your podcast, like Dean, um, uh, I've been able to interview and, you know, almost all the ultra and trail runners I've, you know, reached out to have, gladly said yes. Um, and so I really appreciate that. And, you know, it's kind of been growing from, 
you know, a website where, um, you know, I started with this, with the idea of, you know, doing it to inspire others to, you know, pursue their goals or to start trail and ultra running. And I also have included, you know, some of my own personal uh, journey in there, as well as, um, you know, some product reviews. I, I do have, you know, a handful of my own uh, brands that support me. And, you know, one thing I think is important to note in that is that I don't endorse anything that I don't use first. Like I will use a product and then be able to, you know, then if there's any, um, in any review that I do, it's something that, um, you know, I, I certainly do knowing that I fully support it and that it, it has worked for me. I've had, you know, some other brands reach out and ask me to review something. And I said, well, I no, I, <laughs> I haven't used your product. I, I'm not just going to write, you know, something about, Hey, this works. If I, you know, if there's no authenticity to it, um, but what you're referring to was, um, and this started on kind of a whim. I was wanting to do something like a year end wrap up, but I didn't want to do the, you know, the top 10 stories of the year or any kind of the, the standard, uh, media things that are like a top 10 list or anything, just recapping what already happened. And so as I thought about, you know, a theme, I thought about, you know, the inspiration part that that is part of what I want to convey as a writer and was kind of the impetus for the website to begin with is sharing those inspiring stories. So I, I thought, well, why don't I do the top 20 uh, most uh, inspirational ultra runners of the year? And so I put that out. uh, And this year was uh, at the end of 2021. It was the fourth annual one and it is really blown up every year. It's my most popular post of the year. I get a lot of great feedback. Um, you know, certainly this year, um, I don't rank them, but this year kind of the, the one who I kind of positioned in the top spot was, uh, Tommy Rivers, um, who hasn't run an ultra in, in several years, of course, because of his, um, you know, closely watched battle with, a a uh, horrible form of cancer, uh, that has decimated him, but he came back in November to walk the New York city marathon about seven hours slower than, than when he could run it. But how inspiring has his story been, um, about, you know, how he's been able to come back and, and fight off this, this horrible, horrible cancer. And while he hasn't run an ultra yet, he's, he's really been inspirational to the ultra running community, you know, from his hospital bed and now, and now he's getting, uh, you know, getting stronger slowly, but you know, his, his walking that marathon with a, a smile on his face and a pizza in his hand was, was pretty cool to see on Instagram. Yes. Um, one of my goals with this podcast is to have him on it. Um, and I, I wanted to have him on prior to 2020, but, or 2021. Um, but I think his story is even more incredible today. Um, do you listen to his, uh, conversation with ritual? Yeah, that was, that was definitely a, a must listen to. That was, uh, that was great to, to be able to hear Tommy again, talk about his experience. Um, and hopefully he will continue to, to get stronger and, and keep inspiring who knows how many people across the world. 
I mean, that's the crazy thing about these people with these stories. Um, I had Joe Holder on the podcast uh, last year and Joe is a masterclass trainer and Nike trainer and um, just a wealth of knowledge on, uh, on social media. And one of the questions I asked him, I was like, what does it feel like to have, you know, 200,000 people following you and, you know, improving their lives thanks to you? He's like, screw that. I care about one. All like one is a win. Um, and so I think it's a good reminder that like no matter what size an audience might be, like you always have the ability to influence others. And, you know, if you're listening and you're posting your run every day and you've got 40 followers or 40,000 or 400,000, um, just one person seeing that consistency, maybe that's what got them out the door that day. Um, and so I think it all, it all adds up, which is super cool. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's a great point because, you know, there are a lot of ills in social media, um, for sure. But, you know, I think that's one thing where I think the running community again has, is kind of like that safe zone from a lot of the, the stuff on social media where, yeah, we don't agree on every political issue within the running community, but, you know, I get inspired when I see, you know, your posts of like some awesome, you know, mountain year running up in Colorado or, you know, somebody who's doing a cool trail in Arizona or California and, um, you know, someone else who's come back from injury or come back from whatever and finished, uh, you know, a goal race or, you know, did something really cool for them, you know, that plays into the inspiration that, you know, we feed off of each other. And, you know, that, that does help build in, in again, that consistency and that hitting the alarm clock at four o'clock and getting the feet on the floor and into the running shoes and out the door. I completely agree. Um, I guess one other question I have for you is let's say you could fast forward five to 10 years. Uh, what are you really proud of? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think that I want to look back and, you know, see the athletes who I've had the honor to work with uh, succeed in, in their goals and do more than they thought was possible. And, you know, I think having, having that as, you know, something on a virtual trophy shelf, uh, would be incredibly meaningful. And I, I know, you know, that as runners, we encounter a lot of, um, obstacles to our successes. It may be an injury. It may be, um, something beyond our control. It could be like a year when, most races are shut down or gone virtual, right? And we can't do anything about that. Um, you know, there are obstacles that we face, but being able to have enough um, of my own perseverance and being able to, you know, pass that that passion and that dedication on to others so that they can get to their finish lines. Whatever that finish line is, it could be, you know, it could be, at the end of a 5k, which is awesome. It could be at the end of their first ultra or their first hundred miler, which is just as awesome. Or it could be setting their own FKT, or it could be the fact that 
they can now see themselves as a runner who can do hard things. All those things are awesome. And having, um, having, you know, looking back and seeing, um, being able to look back and see my runners who have achieved their own personal goals and were able to do more than they thought they could would be pretty special. I think it's important to highlight that, but just about everything you just said was about somebody else and about somebody else's journey. Um, and I think that there's so much that we can all take away from that. Like running is, you know, you put one foot in front of the other, it's your body doing the work. But I think when you lean into the community, I think there's so much more that you can possibly do in the presence of good people and in the spirit of helping others along the way um, versus just going at it solo. So that's awesome to uh, awesome to hear. And, and thank you for sharing all of that with us today. Um, you've mentioned your website. Where else can we find you on uh, on social? Yeah, I'm on uh, on all the socials, I guess, um, other than TikTok. Um, but you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's real easy. Um, benefit of having an uncommon name at Henry Howard for both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my Run Spirited page is, uh, the website is runspirited.com. Uh, there's a Facebook page with the same name, uh, a Twitter with the same name, and someone snagged the Instagram, so it's actually run underscore spirited for that. But um, And I also have a newsletter I put out every Monday, Monday Motivation. You can sign up for that right on runspirited.com and uh, appreciate everyone who uh, you know follows along with with my journey and has contributed to uh, Run Spirited in one way or another, and and uh, appreciate you, Jonathan, for having me on. It's been a blast. So um, I've loved watching your podcast grow and have listened to every episode, and appreciate what you do for the running community. Awesome, and likewise, and I uh, hope to see you. Hope to see you out there one of these trail races soon. I can't wait until travel uh, is, is back uh, more for me and then I can get back out to Colorado again. There we go. See you, see you out here. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next time on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too. This podcast and the accompanying music has been produced by Brian Walters of Single Track Sound. For the Long Run's logo is created by Vanessa Wolf of Sterling Wolf. Show notes have been written by Ruby Wiles and is managed by Emily Holland. It takes a village. 